the, the, the core message of Skivio Radio is that diversity and inclusion is not propaganda. And so that's, that's the driving force. One of my favorite quotes is uh, by Stephen Jay Gould. It goes, I am somehow less interested in the weight and convolutions of Einstein's brain than in the near certainty that people of equal talent have lived and died in cotton fields and sweatshops. And this is one of my favorite quotes, if not my favorite one, because... I mean, as you can tell, it alludes to this myth of the meritocracy, but also I feel, you know, Skivio Radio can be a place where those who don't have access to places like Princeton or Facebook or Tesla or like whatever place you hear about in these episodes, they can listen and be like, oh, that's what that's like, right? It, like, what? why is it fair that only the people who were accepted to e.g. Princeton should like benefit from the knowledge you can learn there. Even the people who get in, I mean, there is a vast number of people who have the qualifications in terms of SAT or GPA, like who could academically be fine there and they get rejected, right? Like, so why is it, you know, why is there this like, heavy veil (laughs) behind which I mean it can be seen as so taboo um, to share like what goes on so yeah okay Um, basically that's that's Givio I mean it's a space where I seek to undermine the status quo I don't want to deny them credit but like that doesn't mean that someone who didn't go there isn't smart. I just feel like it's like a whole landmine when you bring that into conversation. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, like all of us, have probably experienced like learning about an, a new profession or or something um, like a new field of study, and just being like, "Well, I had no idea that existed. I had no idea that was a possibility of something that I could even consider doing." And I think that similar with fields, like you you see yourself in certain roles based on a, a lot based on how you might have grown up. And I don't know, for me, I guess, like, looking back, I probably, I, I think I did know some engineers, but, it, like, I didn't really know what engineering was. I didn't know that, that was a thing that I could do. And, like, if I had seen those representations earlier, maybe I would have gone into the field earlier. But I'm also, like, I'm also not upset about my path of getting there a little bit late. So that's fine with me, too. Yeah, yeah. And I guess another question I had is... um you were saying there was a point before you know you got to the position you are now you were saying how you were in a research lab i believe at uc berkeley your alma mater or near there and you were saying that the project was find a light source that could maybe one day be used for something that could maybe one day help someone 
and you felt like that was very far removed from not immediate impact, but just like, you know, something more real feeling. And so like after that, you know, you left that position, but you were sort of wondering what to do professionally. And so like, I'm curious about what did that research look like? Did you just like go online and like search different career paths? How did you sort of narrow down like what you want to pursue? Yeah, so I, um, it was, so after, yeah, I I worked at that research lab while I was in college. And that's when I realized that I was very impatient. Like, I'm really grateful to people who are playing that long game and coming up with solutions for 20 years from now. But that's just like not something that's in my power to be able to do. Um, And so I had worked at the nonprofit family resource center. And that was like the opposite. That was someone would come in with a crisis and we would help them, but we would help people get resources. And you could see the effect that your work was having on people every day. And I was like, no, that's what I want. That's like, that means something to me. But then, um, and then again, after teaching, I realized that wasn't for me either, even though, but that was similar where you could see the effect that your, your work was having on the kids every single day. And so for me, I was trying to just figure out like, how can I get that immediate impact, but have a little bit more technical rigor in my life. Um, and I guess it didn't even have to be technical rigor. Like I was looking at potentially becoming an immigration lawyer. I was looking at starting my own nonprofit. And I guess the things that led me to the material science degree was just talking to people. So through my work at the Family Resource Center, I had met a lot of people in a lot of different roles. So I talked to some of the immigration lawyers about their journeys. Honestly, the main reason I didn't do that was because of law school debt, like understanding how life-changing that amount of debt can be. Um, and it was like, it, that was pretty much just a practical decision of something that I couldn't do. And, uh, I ended up just talking to all of my friends, friends of friends, like anyone I could about their job, the things that they liked about it. And then there was a lot of online research. Um, one of my friends actually had studied material science. So I asked her a lot about, about that experience and then like just Google searched the shit of everything. And... Yeah, I I guess it seemed like there were a lot of opportunities within material science. It seemed like there were a lot of ways to help people in good ways. Like there was sustainable energy, there's biomedical devices, there is, I guess, more and like food safety, ag tech. There's like so much within that that I, I felt like it was specific enough that I would be able to do something good, but broad enough that I would still have a little bit of time to explore what was really impactful for um, for my community and what really went with my skill set. So it felt like it was like a little bit of a risk, but maybe broad enough that it wasn't too much of a risk. It's as if the different positions you were in, being at the nonprofit family center, being a first grade teacher, being on organic farms, you know, going from English to physics, it seems like each of these shed lights on different parts of yourself, like different parts of your personality and what you would want professionally. It seems like these are all related in that, like, they at least are informing your present position and how you look at the world. Would you say that's true? Like, these past positions have very much been integral to, like, what you presently do? Definitely. Yeah, I don't think I realized that at the time. I think at the time I felt like I was kind of lost and just, like, trying one thing and then trying another and hoping something would work out. But um, in retrospect, it feels like all of it has been tied together and 
having, I, I think having a bunch of different perspectives from working in different industries has been really valuable kind of to understand that like what I'm working on right now is important. It's also not the most important thing in the world. Um, and that, that there are a lot of other really valuable disciplines and really talented people working in a lot of different areas. I think one of the things that, um, kind of grates on me with tech, especially is that, um, I feel like people in tech often think engineering is like the only good way to solve a problem. Um, or they prize that above other things and, and think like, Oh, art is frivolous, but you know, like art saves people's lives. Um, and also tech can be frivolous. So I think having like all of those other experiences has given me more of an appreciation that like all of these different things that everybody is working on separately, like makes our society better as a whole. Like if we just had engineers, that would be, that would be horrible if that was the only thing we had. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's such a powerful point that you made that like tech can be frivolous. Art can save people like why do you think there's such derision for people who pursue art and such respect for people who pursue like tech or STEM or math? Cause they all seem vital to like the human experience. Why do you think it's so lopsided? Oh man, uh, probably because more dudes pursue science and tech. <laughs> so people are like, Oh man, that's the, <laughs> that must be better. No, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm half serious with that as an explanation. Um, I don't know. I think there's also like a lot of fear around art and creativity and it's like and misunderstanding of how much work goes into it. I think people think that it's just like it's it's an easy thing and I th- I think people don't realize that it's a discipline and and you have to be trained. Like you have to train yourself in that. Like you have to train yourself in science and engineering too. I don't know. I guess just a lot of Maybe, maybe I guess it's just that there's not enough mixing of different disciplines, and so people just kind of think, uh, like, don't don't understand what goes into it. No, that makes sense. I even remember seeing something that someone said about, I guess they do like freelance um, artwork or graphic design work, and they say that they get this like you know common response, like, oh, why should I pay you X amount per hour? And then the response that the person gave was like, you're not paying me for, you know, 60 minutes of this work. You're paying me for all the years of experience I had to endure to like become this great artist that you want to commission for this work. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I feel like what you're saying, like people don't, some people don't see that side of the experience that it's not like, it can be as rigorous as science in the sense that like there's still techniques you need to learn. There's still like design principles you need to learn like there's still like a structure like it's not just you know what i'm saying there's a lot of like freedom but there even science has freedom like of creativity and like you know going down different paths yeah for sure yeah i have a friend who's an artist and he was saying that people think that you know you just one day you go into your studio and you just produce something and then like the other five days a week or six days a week you're like totally free but like the way that art gets created is you sit down every day and you make trash and then, but you keep doing it. And then sometimes you make things that aren't trash and then that's great. Um, but it's still the practice and you need to like, you you need to work to be able to create those really good things. Yeah. Were you considering any other programs besides material science or did you just like, know like, okay, this is the thing that I want to do. Yeah, no, I put all my eggs in one basket. (laughs) That's, uh, 
Yeah, I just, I figured it would work out. And if it didn't, I did not have a backup plan at the time. I think the other thing that helped was that I didn't go into it like on a whim. Like it was several years of thinking about what it was that I wanted to accomplish. Um, and at that point, I I knew that I wanted to make a positive difference in like, in the fight against climate change. And that going back to grad school was the first step I had to take to do that. And so like it was, it was an understanding that this was a goal that I really cared about and would care about for a long time. And also an understanding that this didn't have to be the thing that I did for the rest of my life, I think was the other thing that helped, um, where I thought like, you know what, I'm committed to doing this for the next, like, I don't know, 10 years. And if I want to do it beyond that, that's great. And if I don't, hopefully I will have made enough of an impact in 10 years and hopefully I will have paid off my student loans in 10 years. Um, and then I can start a new project. So I think a combination of like really giving it a lot of thought about what was important to me, but then also understanding that this wasn't, this decision wasn't going to determine the entire rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, I feel like what you just said is so, is such a, healthy way to look at like career planning (laughs) that it can just be a 10-year career like it doesn't have to be a lifetime like commitment at least when I was in school I never or very rarely received this belief that like a career can just be like a five-year thing and you can change your mind it can be a 10-year thing I I feel like there's this like um this norm or perception that it has to be okay I'm committing to this and if I deviate from it then it's a failure in some way yeah yeah I definitely agree I think yeah both of my parents have had the same job since before I was born um and that like they just worked at the same job for their entire lives and I think that was really common in their generation and I'm not sure like at what point along the line I was like oh maybe I don't have to do that um Like, maybe it's okay to switch a couple of different times. Yeah. And I guess when you were applying uh, for material science for a master's, like, how many schools did you apply to? Like, can you describe what your application process was like? Yeah, the process was was stressful because I had been out of school for a while, so I had to go take some tests again, and I was really nervous about that. Um, But I applied to, I think, seven different schools. and uh, I think one of the things that helped out was a lot of the schools that I was applying to and were caring more and more, it seemed, about kind of community involvement and um, contributions to, to society. So like Stanford specifically had a, a section on their application about uh, like tell us about what good you've done for the world. And I was like, oh, great. Let me tell you while I was employed these past couple of years and like how that contributed to the world and society. Um, So I think I was lucky because I felt like when I was applying, I felt that um, like I didn't have a meaty enough resume because I hadn't worked in tech this whole time. I hadn't worked in engineering and I was applying to this engineering program. And for some reason, it felt like I should have had that as a prerequisite, even though that was what I was trying to get to eventually. Um, but like, I specifically was looking for schools that cared about like that, that whole package. And so I think that helped with the application process. 
Yeah, so then the like end of that story, for those who don't know, is you got into Stanford and um, I mean, was it a hard decision to choose Stanford or like, I guess you had been to UC Berkeley, you were there for your undergrad. So like, did it seem like, you know, a natural next step? Um, it was a hard decision. It was not that hard. <laughs> I guess I was deciding mostly between Stanford and Urbana-Champaign, University of Illinois. And there were two factors that went into the decision to go to Stanford. And one was like totally unrelated to school. I was already living in the Bay Area and I was living with, is now my husband. Um, and uh, like the prospect of spending several years apart while I did my education was daunting. Like he was supportive. We figured we could do it, but you know, there was already that inertia towards the Bay area. Um, and then the second part that led into that decision was that I knew that I didn't want to be in academia. And I knew that being in the Bay area, Stanford had a lot of connections to industry. And so I wanted to be in a place where I would be set up for a job after I graduated and so that was one of the major factors. I felt like I would have gotten an amazing education at Urbana-Champaign. And who knows, they probably could have helped me get a job too. But it seemed more academic focused and less industry focused. Um, so I really wanted to get set up for that, like, go straight into the career after the, getting that degree. No, that makes sense. So I guess I'm wondering, like, it seems maybe, you know, ironic to some, like, it could seem you know, because you had this like passion, you said earlier before you imagined that you would spend a lifetime teaching. And so it seems like kind of opposite to say like, oh, you were not going to go into academia. <laughs> so like, has there been, <laughs> you know, has there been anything that, you know, can you explain a little bit about that? Um, I guess, so I guess it was my experience from undergrad and working in the research lab where um, my my perception of academia, and um, I'm not sure like how true this is, but my perception of it would, was and is that you're working on a lot of very fundamental problems and fundamental research. And I wanted to get away from that long time scale and go into something that was that like short, seeing my impact right away. And I, I didn't feel like I could get that in academia. I felt like I could contribute more to society in industry, even though again, I think both of those both of those paths are important. But for me, I wanted that immediate feedback. Do you have any regrets about pursuing material science at Stanford? Would you like recommend it to anyone? Or yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I don't think I have any regrets. Um, I guess maybe one regret is not getting more involved in. Um, the resources that Stanford had. Um, at the time, I didn't live on campus. I had a, I had another job outside of school, so I pretty much just went there for classes, and then that was it. Um, and I think in retrospect, like there was the Society of Material Scientists um, and Engineering. There, like there's a bunch of resources. There's career sessions and everything like that, and I didn't take advantage of any of them. And I think, like, I kind of recognize more now how important those personal bonds can be in, in like, finding support networks and in finding future jobs and all of those kinds of things. And I think, that, like, if I were to do it over again, maybe I would be more involved in those things, but no regrets about the school choice. You know, you said that you had internships while you were at Stanford. 
at Apple and a biomedical device company. And so like, you know, those seem different again, like Apple (laughs) seems like, I mean, both have impact on the world, but like, I guess I'm wondering, you know, what was your reasoning behind choosing those, uh, you know, internships? Yeah, those, those, I just wanted to learn as much as I could and get hands-on experience. So the biomedical device company, I got to do a lot of hands-on lab work um, and hands-on testing and experiment design. And it's in a totally different field than I do now, but I still like, that was a really good jumping off point. Um, and then with Apple, it was, um, that internship was in operations. And so, um, it was more like, okay, you designed a thing. How do you actually make it? And I traveled to China kind of a lot. Um, and it was just like, again, an opportunity to experience something, to experience like a a different discipline than the one I thought that I would go into, but again, trying to just get as much background as possible that I thought would be beneficial and inform what I ultimately wanted to do. From these experiences and, you know, your time at Stanford, did you figure out um, what you wanted to do with material science before you graduated? You know how earlier you said you can go into like biomedical devices or ag tech or uh, you know, you can go into different fields did you already know exactly what you wanted to do or you just knew like I can decide later like what exactly what industry I want to you know pursue yeah my program was two years long and I think by the end of my first year beginning of my second year I was pretty sure I knew what I wanted to do and so I started taking more classes that were focused on that on on sustainable energy and then um, before I left school I did a bunch of research on companies that were doing work in sustainability. And then I asked all of my professors for recommendations of companies that that they knew of um, that were working in sustainable energy. Tesla actually wasn't even on my radar at all. I thought of them as a car company um, until one of my professors suggested it. I was like, oh, it's actually a really good idea. Um, But yeah, I think I I had kind of been looking at like recyclable materials and, um, and things like that. And someone pointed that out to me. I was like, oh, okay. I've like, I've been thinking a little bit too narrowly. Is it, is it because you sort of had, you developed, you were intentional about developing close relationships with your professors or they just like provide this advice to like anyone, you know what I'm saying? Like what advice do you have? Yeah. For people who are I mean, like, I think, I think professors are used to answering that kind of question and it's kind of like part of their jobs. But I think one of the things that I did much better in grad school than I did in undergrad was form those relationships um, and go to office hours all the time and like be very intentional about questions. And even if I didn't have a question about the problem set, like think really critically about the material and then what other questions can I come up with and form those connections. Um, And so the professors that I ended up asking those for, for recommendations for um, like both for recommendations for places that I could look at and then later for like personal recommendations when I was applying um, were the ones that like I had put in a lot of time for. So I think that there's like, if you ask a professor, they'll like, they're like, yeah, yeah, maybe look at this place, but they'll probably care more if you've shown that you're going to put in the work and, and you care about the subject too. So I think that like going to office hours was one of the best things that I did in grad school. Yeah, so you would recommend, so you, you're saying in undergrad, you didn't really think about that, but in, you know, your master's, you were very intentional about that. Yeah, that's right. 
now that you've said that, I'm wondering what do you think the strongest part of your application for different jobs after your master's was? Hmm. Um, I have no idea. Um, I didn't actually apply to that many jobs. I applied to like three jobs um, and uh, was just the most excited about Tesla. And then I, so I don't know what was strong about my application. I mean, I think that I, I think like as much as I hate it, the name brand of Stanford, like d- it goes pretty far, um, which now as someone who's looking at resumes, trying to hi- hire people, I like, I try to care as little as possible about that because I think good people can come from wherever, but um, I, I do think that that goes a long way. And then having recommendations from professors there are like definitely helped. Yeah, so, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like that aversion too, <laughs> that like, um, it, it's weird because it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know how many people, I'm sure some people at Princeton feel this way but it's like even though like we went there we still are very careful about like how we like deliver the message that we went there because it's like you know what I'm saying like again that perception of like oh you must be smart but it's like no no I don't want you to think I'm smart I'm trying to like talk about something else you know what I'm saying yeah yeah I usually I don't bring it up that often um because I do feel like it just also, if, if I am smart, like Stanford taught me a lot. I don't want to I don't want to deny them credit, but like that doesn't mean that someone who didn't go there isn't smart. I just feel like it's like a whole landmine when you bring that into conversation. Yeah, exactly. Even there's this you as a single individual. It's not as if like you know for podcasting at least or video or whatever it's not as if it's just like a one-to-one relationship of like oh yeah i gave you information and you're the only person receiving it from me in that moment and so like yeah diffusion of responsibility but also at the same time it's like well you still you know some people are like well i'm still gonna say thanks right you're not holding the door open for me per se but i will still say thank you and so i feel this is my long-winded way of saying to subscribe 